Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Well, if you uh, need to be an overcomer, that means there's something you have to overcome, right? So. Living by faith doesn't mean that you never have anything to overcome. It just means you know what to do when you encounter obstacles, when you encounter problems. You don't just lay down and quit like unbelievers do. You go into fighting the good fight of faith mode. Get your Bible. Get something to make some notes with. Come on into the classroom with us. And let's let the Lord do just what we're talking about. Let's let him minister to our Spirit, His anointed words that will build us up on the inside, give us what we need to overcome anything that would be a problem in our lives. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, for the utterance, for the grace, the guidance, the help, the answers. Thank you that you're so gracious and faithful to give us what we need. We ask for it. We thank you for it. Jesus' name, amen. amen. Look, please, in our great textbook, the Bible, uh, Hebrews, the third chapter. We've been on for a number of days now a series that we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. And unbelief is something that is uh, a, a daunting thing all around us that permeates most of mankind. And um, in order to overcome it, well, you first of all need to identify it and, and be aware of what it is I need to resist. Two of the most important things you'll ever learn is what to resist and what to receive. What to stand against and not allow, not accept, and what to open up to and receive. God's things you don't want to resist. You want to receive them. You want to yield to Him. The enemy's things, you never want to accept. You never want to receive that. You want to resist it uh, adamantly and, and give no place to the enemy. In Hebrews, the third chapter, talking about that first generation of Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage, verse 10, chapter 3, he said, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart They've not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Now this, this phrase here, they'll not enter into my rest, it starts a, uh, a theme that continues all the way through the rest of this chapter, that's half of that chapter, and the whole, uh, you know, two-thirds, I guess, of the next chapter. You'll see, if you watch for it, this word rest just keeps reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring. And this rest is uh, 
portrayed by Canaan's land. Canaan's land, uh, the land that flowed with milk and honey that God had selected and promised to his people, given to his people, was a land of rest uh, in so many ways. For one thing, in Egypt, they and their parents and their grandparents and great-grandparents for 400 years were property. They were owned by the Egyptians like a cow or a sheep or a goat or something. And they were oppressed and mistreated for centuries, 400 years. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's worth noting that it said the, the night of the Passover when the next morning they left never to have to go back, was to the day, 430 years, the, on the day that God told Abraham he was taking his people out. He told them how long, he told them when he'd be, to the day, everybody say to the day. Who can get that right except God? But it also shows he keeps his word. Is that right? No matter how hard it was, no matter how bad it got, no matter how long, he keeps his word. And so his plan was not only to deliver them out of slavery, but his plan was to give them rest. He said, uh, if you read Deuteronomy 5 and 8 and other places, there's descriptions of the land that he chose for them. And he said, it's, it's, not, it's not like where you've been that you have to irrigate everything. He said, I watch over it. I watch over the land from the first of the year to the end of the year. In other words, I, and he talked about he would cause his rain to fall on it. He would prosper it. And, and it wouldn't be the struggle that most people experience. And it certainly wouldn't be the struggle that they had previously experienced in Egypt. It, he, he described, you know, it sounds like a, a utopia. He, he, he described houses you didn't build, wells you didn't dig, orchards and vineyards that you didn't plant that are waiting for you. Everybody say rest. rest. A place of rest. A place to call home. A place of security. A place where you're not fearful for your life every day when you wake up. A place where you actually have some say-so <laughs> and control over your own life. Everybody say rest, rest, rest. What's that a type of? Why is he talking to us about it in the New Testament? Because Canaan's land is a type, an example of what we have now in Christ. Do we have security in Christ? Yes. Do we have benefits and our needs met in Christ? Do we have peace? Do we have joy? Do we have freedom from the works of the enemy? Do we have authority in the name of Jesus so that we're not oppressed and controlled by evil? We have freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thing after thing after thing is it was portrayed by Canaan's land and yet he's cautioning and warning don't be robbed of your place of rest like they were robbed 
of their place of rest. And how were they robbed? We see here that verse 18, to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest. Everybody say rest, rest. But to them that believed not. What kept them out of the rest? Not believing. It goes on to say, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Enter into what? See, he's using another word so that you see how it applies to you. It's not just Canaan's land, promised land. It was the land of rest. Why? Because we have a, a rest. Now let's keep reading in chapter 4. Because uh, And notice how many times you see this word. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Gospel is good news, but you've got to believe the good news for it to benefit you. If you don't believe it, even though it's true, it won't benefit you. He goes on to say, For we which have believed do enter into rest. I want you to say that out loud. We which have believed do enter into rest. Let's say it together. We which have believed do enter into rest. A couple more times. We which have believed do enter into rest. To say it like this. When I believe, I enter into rest. When I believe, I enter into rest. Now see, we, uh, we, we talked about that on yesterday's lesson. Uh, when God's people just freshly delivered out of Egyptian slavery, they saw Pharaoh and all his hosts coming to get them. They were full-blown panic. And then they talked all this unbelief about blaming Moses. You should have left us alone. You should have left us over there. You know, we're all going to die out here. And, and Moses is speaking by the word of the Lord. What did he say to them? Stop the fear and be quiet and be still and see the salvation of God. Say that loud. Stop the fear. Stop the fear. And be still. That's our part. God's not going to do that part for us. He's the one that works the miracle. But he requires us to do our part. What's our part? Don't yield to fear. And don't talk failure and death and unbelief. Don't work against God. Work with him. Why would you just yield to full-blown panic and talk we're all going to die out here? Because you don't believe what he said about uh, he, he's going to get glory out of this situation. You, you don't trust him. You, he, he said, this people, they never learn my ways. They don't know me. They, they, they don't know why. why. If they knew him, they would know he's not just going to let them all die out here from these Egyptians he didn't, get them, he didn't go through all of these miracles to just let Pharaoh annihilate them. Faith is not mechanical. Faith is not a formula. Faith is living trust in a living God. 
And, and so much of it is based on what he said, but then there is the part of it that's based on who he is. Just getting to know who he is. And thing after thing after thing, it should begin to be obvious to us, he's a good God. He's a good God. He cares about you. He's got your best interest in mind. He's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's not indifferent about what happens to you. But see, no matter how many times uh, somebody tells you they love you, you don't have to believe it. I've seen people. You could tell them 500 times, no, we care about you. And they're like, oh, you're just saying that. What does that mean? You never have to believe something. It's always a choice. And no matter how much evidence you have, you can still choose to be stubborn, rebellious, defiant, and not believe. But then that's, that's how you get robbed. That's how you get robbed of the rest. The rest. He said, we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. How many times have we seen the word rest already? Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Did God want them to go into the Canaan's land? Did he want them to live this restful, blessed, abundant, free life? He did. In fact, he had it planned before they were born. He had it planned before their grandparents were born. He had it planned before the foundation of the world. It was God's will. Now, here's a sobering thought class. It was God's will and plan before there was an earth. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah, but if it's God's will, it's going to happen. It didn't happen. It didn't. He was not pleased with the outcome. That wasn't the end of it. God didn't give up. He brought their kids in. Is that right? But he couldn't convince them. But I, don't you imagine after 40 years of that, their kids had had enough of that stuff. (laughs) They're like, hey, (laughs) I don't want any more of this desert life. And they trusted God. And under Joshua's leadership, they went in and they possessed the land. That means they got their houses. They got their vineyards and their wells and their lands. And they enjoyed some hammock time (laughs) in the palm trees. Is that right? Rest. They enjoyed not feeling threatened every day that somebody's going to come kill you and take away what you got. They That was God's plan. Peace, life, joy, security, abundance, health. He never changes. God changes not. That was his will. That is his will. It'll always be his will. What's heaven like? What's eternity with God like? I'll tell you what it's not like. Lack. There's no lack there's no, the Bible said, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying. 
No more pain. That sounds like rest. Is that right? We've entered into rest. Hallelujah. And uh, there's a, there is a rest you can enter into in, the, in this life that you carry on past this life. It's the rest of God. It's the rest of faith in Christ. He spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, he said, if they shall enter into my rest. Can you see this thing is bigger than, than you have thought? He was talking about them going into Canaan's land. Now he's all the way back to Genesis and creation when God proclaimed rest. And he's talking about the future and the rest, eternal rest in Christ. And he's talking about the present with rest. All of it is, works the same. You enter into it with faith. You're kept out of it by unbelief. Well, um, let's just hold your place right here and go to Second Chronicles with me and look at this. This is a, you'll see this all through the Word of God. But some of these uh, phrases, they'll, they'll just stick with you along this line. Second Chronicles 32 and verse 7. Second Chronicles 32, 7. This is a similar situation many, many years later of what we talked about with Israel and, and Egypt in that the people of God are being assaulted and attacked by a huge enemy force and they're tempted to be afraid and there's every reason in the natural to be afraid. But their leader said this in 2 Chronicles 32, 7, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid. We'd say, don't be afraid, nor dismayed. Now, we've heard that phrase so many times reading the Bible that if you, if you don't watch, you, you won't pay attention to it like you, like you should. It's just, you know, it's like part of the fixtures. It's like part of the drapes or something. You know, you, you get used to it. Yeah, fear not, fear not. Yeah, there's a lot of that around, isn't it? Yeah, fear not. Yeah, why is there a lot of that around? What is that about? Is that just filler talk? Hi, don't be afraid. <laughs> Everything okay? Yeah, don't, don't fear. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, right, right. And, and, and so it means nothing. And that's the enemy's objective is to get you desensitized to it so that you don't pay attention to it and most importantly that you don't do it. But when the Lord says, don't be afraid. What does he expect you to do now? Help me, class. This is not, this is not hard. Huh? We, I mean, we, we talked about this yesterday that the Lord looked at Jairus when they came and told him his daughter was dead. And, and the Lord turned personally and looked at him and said, Fear not. Only believe. Why did the Lord say that to him? What does he expect him to do? He expects him to stop fearing, which means it's possible, right? Which means it's a choice. How is it a choice? The reason I keep going over this is because there are so many people in the world, they don't believe they can help it, whether they are afraid or not. I mean, 
bunch of church-going people. They, if you said, stop, stop being afraid, you'd just make them mad. Is that right? They'd look at you with indignation and tears and go, well, you're not going through what I'm going through. And if it was happening to you, you'd be afraid too. Not if I listened to God. Not if I obeyed Him. And when He says, fear not, do you reckon there's any power in what He just told you to enable you to do what He told you? His commands are empowerments. His commands are enablings. And when he says, fear not, just hearing it, you know you can. Is that right? But you still got to make a choice. You got to choose to know. So here he's telling the people, because all the people, they're seeing all these enemy forces. And it just looks like this is the end. And the leader gets up and says, be strong and courageous. Faith is not a coward. Faith is courageous. Faith is not full of fear. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria and all the multitude that's with him. For there be more with us than with him. That wasn't true naturally. But it was true spiritually. And man... It, this situation, if you want to go back and read it sometime, it's in Second Chronicles 32. It's also in Second Kings 19. But the reason why the, I'm saying that is because the Lord just demonstrated how superior His force and power was. It didn't matter how big the force of man was. The leader went on to say, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Who's bigger? Sometimes, I mean, on one of these occasions, it said there was a host of a million. Not, not on this particular one, but another one. Well, if you are a few hundred thousand and you got a million coming against you, how? And yet you hear the leader say, look, we've got them outnumbered bad. There's a whole lot more with us than with them. Not what you see with your eye, but we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And we don't look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. And I want you to notice the response of the people in that next phrase, right here, verse, verse 8. When he told them that, he said, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. There's more with us than with them. There's an arm of flesh with them, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. And the people did what? They did what? They, they went, ah, that's right. That's right. They rested themselves on the words. And these words God obviously gave the king on that, on that occasion. They rested themselves on the words of the king. Everybody say they rested themselves. They rested on, the words. on the words. When the Israelites in, in Exodus 14 there, when they saw Pharaoh and his bunch coming... 
And they just full-blown panic, yielded to fear, didn't even try to resist it, and talked a bunch of unbelief and blame. And, and Moses said, stop it. Don't fear. Be still and, and quiet down. And see the salvation of your God. We which have believed. What happens? What happens? What happens? We enter into rest. See when, when you're all full of anxiety. And when you're full of fear. You are not in faith. So can you really expect miracles from God? And, and you're not even in faith? No. What's got to happen if you want to see a miracle, if you want to see something happen that people don't normally see, you've got to do something differently than people normally do. You've got to get a hold of yourself and you've got to say, stop it, stop it, stop it. No. And then go ahead and speak right up and say, fear, get out of here. Fear, I resist you. Leave me, heaviness, depression, go away from me in Jesus' name. And then you start declaring, I will trust the Lord my God. Greater is he. Isn't that, isn't that sounding the same like this? There's more with us than be with them. What do you say? There's more with me than what's coming against me. Because the enemy will try to convince you what's coming against you is just overwhelming. There's no way you can deal with this. And you hear people, it won't be long. They're talking, oh, there's no way. I just can't deal. I just can't. I just can't. I just can't. Well, then you can't. You're stuck. And that's how you'll be defeated and destroyed. The Bible didn't say you can't. It said you can. It said I can. Is that right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't you like this? When he said, here, here's an example. We're looking at examples where they didn't make the right choice. Here's one where they did. Somebody say, praise God. Here's one. Now, this is a different group of people in a different time. But when he says, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. And what did the people do? They actually did it. The Assyrians are still there. All the host and the warriors, they're still out there camped against you. They're still planning on coming and killing you. But what, what did the people, when they heard these words, they went, ah, they are entering into rest. Why? Because they believe. Believe what? God's with us. He's with us. And he's bigger than all them Assyrians. And you know what happened? The Bible said in 2 Kings 19.35, God sent an angel and one, one angel into the Assyrian camp, wiped out in one night 185,000 of their troops. One angel. In the morning, the ones that were left woke up and saw everybody's dead. Battle's over. <laughs> Did the people have a, a reason to rest in the Lord their God? He just demonstrated to them. I don't even need you to show up to fight. I'm going to send all my angels. One. 185,000. Somebody said out loud, I trust the Lord my God. There's more with me than there is against me. Hallelujah. Our time's up. Come back with us tomorrow. There's a lot more to see. We are growing in faith here in Faith School. 
Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.